So I have been a huge fan of Truniagen for years, and that's why I am super excited to share that I've recently began partnering with them. I literally don't miss a day taking it. And if I were to only take one supplement, this is the one. And here's why. Our bodies produce a molecule called NAD, which is critical for our cellular energy and repair. But the levels sadly decline as we age. A nutrient that can help increase our NAD is a form of vitamin B3 called nicotinamide riboside, otherwise known as NR. It is the most efficient way to get this is through this Truniagen because it's the best NAD precursor around. Truniagen helps support our bodies against everyday stressors that can really damage our cells like overeating, drinking, staying up too late. In my opinion, no one is too young to take it. I wish I knew about this in my early 30s. And what's most amazing is that Truniagen is backed by 18 clinical trials and has endorsements of two Nobel Prize winning scientists. So go check it out at truniagen.com. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. And we have a special offer for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $100 or more using the code HUSTLE20. So definitely run, don't walk, and scoop some up now. Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have Adrian Grenier. Adrian is an actor, producer, director, musician. He's best known for his portrayal of Vincent Chase in the television series Entourage, which of course I was obsessed with, and I'm sure others can probably agree they were too. Uh, He starred in films such as The Devil Wears Prada, Drive Me Crazy. He also stars in the Netflix series Clickbait. Not only does Adrian do those things, but he's also a real activist, uh, an environmentalist, and an investor. He's backed companies and entrepreneurs that he believes can change the world for the better. He has an impact firm called DeContra Ventures, which not only invests but empowers their founders and investors by creating systems and tools to amplify their positive benefits. He also founded Lonely Whale Foundation, which is dedicated to bringing people closer to the world's oceans through education and awareness. This is a real Renaissance man. He lives on a farm. We'll talk all about that. I feel like he really did a 180 in his life uh, over the last uh, you know, few years or five years. Uh, very interesting. I really hope you enjoy the podcast. Please leave me uh, a comment. Let me know what you think and enjoy the podcast. All right, guys. So today we have Adrian Grenier on the podcast. And yeah, you're waving over there. Um, and uh, of course, for my generation of people, he's always going to be like Vincent Chase, uh, Entourage, obviously. But you've had a, you, you've done a lot of stuff. You're also an activist. Uh, you are a social entrepreneur. You have like a venture fund. Yep. You've kind of like done a lot of things since those days from Entourage and um, transformed kind of. Always evolving, that's right. Always evolving. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're going to go through all of this, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, Can we just start, because obviously my generation, like I said, we remember you on Entourage, but that wasn't actually your first 
real big thing, right? Like you've been acting for many, like for many years prior to that, right? I mean, it's all relative. Um, people ask, oh, you know, when did you make it? You know, and like, how do you define that? Yeah. Um, it Without question, Entourage was a certain volume, mm-hmm, <laughs> certain sure. uh, density of, of celebrity, of success. Um, but yeah, I'd been in films before that, a lot of indie films, Sundance style, and also some pop movies, teeny boppers. So I was doing, I was writing both sides. I was, you know, a Sundance darling and, and then also getting my hands in Hollywood. How old were you when you got the Vince role though? You were- 28. 28. Yeah. Wow. So how did that even come to be? Like, how did it go? Cause you were doing like, like I remember you actually doing like indie films and you, you also like are behind the camera a lot too. Yeah. Were you doing that then too? Yeah. I, you know, I fancied myself an artiste. Right. So I was um, getting my hands into all sides of the camera, but you know, growing up in New York with my friends, um, you know, in, in order to stay out of trouble, we, we used to make films or we'd get into trouble and then film it. I don't know <laughs> how yeah. you want to look at it, but yeah, we, we used to make little movies on, on high eight video and, um, that would be our Friday night, you know, sometimes a whole weekend and we'd, uh, write it. And then depending on what was needed, we'd all play the different characters. And some, sometimes we'd hold the camera, sometimes we'd hold the boom. Uh, you know, if, if, you know, if it called for it, someone would climb the building and get that high shot, you know? So for us, it was just a matter of accomplishing the goal of making a film and collaborating without necessarily defined roles. So I had experience from all sides of the camera as well as acting. And you went to all, did you go also to performing school? Like you went to like a performing arts school, right? Right. Well, then that's another layer at, in New York. Um, public schools are pretty, uh, right. <laughs> they're not, they're, you know, they leave something to be desired. Right. And there are uh, four specialized high schools that you have to, you have to take tests to get into. And they're public schools, so they're free, but they are, you know, a little bit uh, better uh, caliber than the other ones. So everybody wants to go. So I, of course, um, auditioned for the music and art uh, high school, which is called LaGuardia. And then they have science and Brooklyn Tech and Stuyvesant and a few other specialized schools. And I ended up going for theater. And so, okay, by the way, I'm just curious, what do you guys do in the performing arts school like when, as a high school versus... Dance like, on tables. Yeah. Is that really what you do? <laughs> yeah. Like, because I mean, do you guys still do like math and social studies and all that other stuff? Oh, or? yeah. So half the day is theater and then the other half are, you know, core curriculum. Uh, so English, social studies and... I don't know, do they call it social studies? I, History? I I'm uh, Canadian. That's what we called it back in Canada. Yeah, yeah, we did too. Yeah. I, I, Geography. Um, I don't know what you call it. And, yeah, so. literature and English and science, all the things. All those things. Yeah, and um, but we got to also um, be creative half the day as well. Um, so, in fact, I used to turn in um, assignments as films. Uh, in high school. Really? Are yeah. you allowed to do that? I guess. With well, that we asked, school. We, you yeah. know, we, we asked and, and we were given permission. So, uh, we, I remember we made a film about the brain and we did a stop motion, um, animation of the brain. So we showed 
what happens with a stim stimulus and as it goes up the brain stem into, you know, the prefrontal cortex and the whole thing. And so that was all in claymation that we did. And then we wove it into a story that we acted in uh, where <laughs> my friend played the mad scientist and we, he was going to explain the brain, but we needed a brain. So then took a knife and then like cut, cut my other friend Damien's head open. And then we had all this fake blood and we, you know, very typical of a angst ridden nineties exactly. teenager. Uh, so we made a, a fun film that was bloody and gory, but educational at the same time. Did you do Edutainment. well? <laughs> did you get an A? Yeah. I mean, of course of everybody course loved it. I, you know, as opposed to the boring, right. you know, just, just the facts book report or science report. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. I went to the wrong high school. I went to a private Jewish school, obviously very different than what you did, but, um, yours sounds way more fun <laughs> and way more exciting. So then how did you kind of get the, your first, even like your first thing? Like, did you have an agent? Did you like, you grew up with your mom, correct? Like your mom raised you a single yeah, mom, a right? Single mom, only child. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so was she into the acting or she was, very, I remember you saying on something, I watched you, she was very much a hippie, right? Like she was very much into. She didn't like the title hippie. She was more uh, self-identified as a flower child. A flower. What's the difference? <laughs> she, she saw hippies as all the druggies. Oh, okay. That's the difference. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. But she was more into, you know, the, the love, the love aspect you know, the, the summer right. of love. The summer you know? of love, exactly. Yeah. And then how did you get into your first role? Did you have like, just, just walk me through what you would. Yeah, well in high school, I so before high school, in junior high school, um, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with my father, uh, just, you know, obviously single mom, right. only child. And so, you know, there was, a, there was an edge that I hadn't been, um, there, there was a rite of passage into like an edge that I didn't have. Uh, so I, I, I gravitated more towards the touchy feely artists mm -hmm. types more than the rough and tumble sports. So um, instead of, I, you know, I tried the sports, but I, you know, I was too sensitive. I was very sensitive, was, you know, cancer and mama's boy. And so the idea of like getting out with the guys and like throwing baseballs and getting into fights you know, sort of was abrasive to me in the way that I was raised. Uh, but when I got into theater and everybody wanted to like hear what you had to say and feel, you know, yeah. show empathy. And then we could actually communicate and share what was inside, you know, that, that to me felt most comfortable. Right. And so you didn't play sports as a, as a no, at all. Like no, football, I mean, you baseball. Know, some street ball with my friends, right. but they were friends that, you know, it, that was later in life. I okay. had, to, and in fact, I, since then, I'd been on a long journey of uh, becoming a little bit more edgy in my oh. masculine body, you know, right, right, being a little bit more um, aggressive, you know, using like that testosterone to go out and move the world and and shape the world. Uh, I was very passive growing up and very uh, shy. Um, and it wasn't until I got on stage that I started to really come out of my shell. Right. And then, of course, you know, caught the eye of some producers and agents. And f for the longest time, they were pushing me to come to Hollywood. And I resisted. I resisted for 10, 12 years until finally Entourage forced me to come. 
forced you to come. It's so funny because <laughs> people would think of that. Most people, right? You would think would be like jumping at that chance, right? Because you'd think that a lot of people, like you have to have like a big break like that to be considered quote unquote, like a successful actor. Right. And you, you, you kind of seem like you resisted that yeah. a lot because of all that stuff you just said. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something in my soul. It's like my, my Dharma to resist convention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of, um, I think, uh, pitfalls to the way our consumer capitalistic lifestyle is sort of beckoning us, you know, forward. And I think we lose a lot. Um, that doesn't mean I haven't certainly fallen f for the shiny objects in the world and, and gone for that. Uh, in fact, I represented it on a show called Entourage, you know, <laughs> exactly. it was basically a reflection of our culture and, um, and our consumerist culture. Uh, but deep down inside, I never really felt satisfied with that. I thought there was more to life. Yeah. And um, so I did resist for a long time. And then I tried it out and I played the game and I got all the toys and I was successful. And, and I realized that it was just a distraction from what my heart was really, you know, craving, what I was really desiring in my soul. Right. Well, that's it. I want to, I want to talk to you all about that because like I said, you know, the whole transformation and who you kind of see, cause you seem like to be, I mean, I don't know you, but you seem to be the antithesis of whatever that role represented. And that's, it's ironic that you would be the one who gets that role and plays it out. So perfect. Right. Though. Isn't At it At the though? same time. Yeah. Isn't it? Life and, is that way. It's, right. You know. And then you had that role for so many years and then how, art imitates life or life imitates art. So when, when that start, like, how did that even come to be? Like, did they, did you have an agent who put you up for it? Did you, did you audition for it? Like, what was the whole thing? And then I want to like chronologically go through what's happened with your life. Yeah. Well, I was broke, broke as yeah. fuck. I don't know if I can say that here, but it's it. true. Uh, and I, I was in Mexico in classic, New York City hipster artist style right. was going to make an independent documentary about <laughs> Cuban hip hop. And I had a thousand dollars and I was intending to just make it work. And um, and then I got this email and this was back in the day. This is before cell phones and right. the whole thing. So I was going to the internet cafes and dial up the whole right. thing oh. and waiting for the messages to load. And it was, oh, there's this show called Entourage. And I was like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in, in no, in no uncertain terms, my agent and the universe was saying, look, if you don't take this opportunity, eventually Hollywood's going to turn its back on you. If you say no enough, there's a million others just like you that will say yes. Well, wait, did you, did, was there other things that you turned down? Oh, that for I would years. Know, that yeah. I, would I mean, I was 28 years old. You I know. know. And I was I had done things, but I was... Um, what did you turn down that I would know? I mean, I... I, I mean, it was... It, the, long, the list is long. I, I'd have to go back into the... Name you know, one. The, the Name records. one. I think it's like... But like Soul Survivors. I was just like... I don't know why that comes to oh, mind. Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, you know, there, there, were, there, were, there, was a, there was a rash of bad horror movies that were coming out. Yeah, you know, and they were that. paying a lot of money for these. And I would just read the script and I'd be like, eh, it's like, I can't. I just, I can't. Yeah. You know, so, and and the 
the reality is I wasn't trying to be famous. I wasn't trying to be a successful actor. I was just trying to, you know, communicate something. Right. Share, share ideas through film. Um, and I did a lot of bad indie films that I thought were cool as well. <laughs> that, were, that turned out to be pretty shitty because first it's hard to make a film and with low budgets and ambitious visionaries who have no experience and who are egomaniacs a lot of times you get you're in some bad mood right, right. good ideas that turn out badly right the execution um, wasn't there no yeah. no it was not there and then you know, sometimes you're in some really well-paid movies that turn out badly but it doesn't matter because you got a paycheck right so it's um so i don't know anyway long story short i ended up recognizing that i needed to take this job uh in order to keep making a living right so I, I had i had a a moment of practical clarity and i ended up saying yes to entourage and then how many seasons was it anyway like 10 seasons, ten seasons. In a, no, no it was eight seasons in a movie so about 10 plus years wow of entourage and then how was it on like did you while you were doing it did you get along with the guys yeah oh yeah like yeah, you guys yeah. were all like you got we had such great chemistry um as new yorkers we're yeah. all from the east coast right that's right and that was one thing that really i think made the show work well is our ability to uh, feed off each other our our chemistry was was really just palpable i think you know we had that new york city edge and um yeah and they're like brothers to me um long lost brothers at this point I, you know i don't we're, i'm in a yeah. totally different place right now in my life do you guys keep in touch at all anymore or from time to time a text or you know yeah i, I just talked to jerry uh, about a month ago and we caught up right and then are they still like it's you like we'll get into that like your whole life transformation but um, like, so while you were doing it for so many seasons, were you already starting to kind of change how, like, just kind of like change into this new and improved version of you or like, were you, yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm still the same guy. I'm just, uh, putting my focus elsewhere. But, yeah. but, but while you were, did you want to like, was there a point where you wanted to stop doing it, but you couldn't because it was part of the, like, you're already kind of so far in or yeah, well, you do build a house of cards, you know, and you have to keep feeding the beast um, in order to keep it going, to keep up the illusion that, you know, uh, you know, a lot of uh, careers and a lot of people's, I mean, this is not just Hollywood. Um, it's our culture in general. A lot of our lifestyles are built up through scarcity. Like, yeah. And like you need to accumulate more and more in order to feel safe, like you have um, that you can, you can eat and you can pay rent and all the things that are, um, coming up in, in, the, in the, from year to year. And then also for social status that you're going to be liked by your friends or that, um, you have a place in the world that you're going to be accepted. And a lot of these are deep, deep rooted, right. Psychological, emotional, um, conditions that we, that we're all built with, because of the way our society is, is made. So yeah, I, I started climbing that ladder and I started making more money and then I started investing and then I was a little mini real estate mogul and then I thought I'd get into music too and maybe I'd make a bunch of films and then next thing you know, I'm spread so thin. I can't really truly be uh, 
intimately involved in all the projects. So I just basically became a machine and detached from all the different parts. Um, but in the name of more and more and more, and also ultimately just wanting to be accepted by the world, wanting to be liked, wanting to be successful, wanting to be, uh, you know, a man, like a, a, a strong, successful, powerful man. Right, right. Uh, so that's that's the that's the, the trap I got into. So how were you able to kind of get yourself out of the trap, right? Because you're now like super embedded into that trap. Yeah, and and by the way, it's it. I think it's a natural stage of development to to be in that uh, immature adolescent masculine mentality. You know, where it's all about the show. Right. It's all about me, me, me. It's very selfish. And it's all about um, putting on the king's hat and sitting in the throne, pretending like you're king, but without the deliverables, without actually being able to deliver on, on the leadership part. You know, it was a very selfish time in my life. You know, you said a few, a bunch of times, masculine, masculine, the word. Like, yeah. I feel that word super dominant in your vocabulary. Yeah, because I feel like, I, you know, if you look at my whole life, it's been a journey into becoming a man. Right. Growing up. You know, it's a rite of passage. It's like that. Right. Um, that arc. That arc. Yeah. The, the hero's journey into adult masculine, you know, mature masculine. Um, because I resisted for so long and rejected having grown up with my mother and not having any truly positive, healthy, male role models, just diving in and getting lost in my friends and what we could do and what we could create in the touchy feely creative aspect, which is really just like, it's like chaos, like anything's possible. And then that like, m that masculine part of me that was uh, testosterone driven was destructive, you know, and, I, and we were, you know, rolling around in, in the city totally. as kids, we were, we were terrors in the streets uh -huh. and also there was like also that was like the hottest show ever i mean <laughs> it was like the hot it was the most i mean everyone everyone i know watched that show well yeah so and i was i was just predating that and then you get come to the the show and now you have success and fame and money yeah that helped to legitimize who you think you are yeah who, who you should be who you should be for sure right so th then you're just like okay i'm validated more of that, please. Oh, applause. Yeah. Yes. So then you start feeling good about being, you know, and misbehaving about the bad behavior because you almost get rewarded for it. And every time I go so to true. a bar or a club or whatever, you know, it's not 100%, a good percentage, 90% of the people in there would immediately give me approval and then want me. And there's like this weird... Um, parasocial relationship that those fans have with me and particularly entourage the way it was shot it felt so personable mm -hmm. and real and and authentic it was almost documentary that the fans felt like they were part of the crew and so they would want you to be that character so the more i accommodated the more approval i got the more accepted i got and it's just a natural part of the human condition to want that kind of approval and acceptance. Absolutely. And then, I mean, also it's interesting because um, 
what did you, you I, I think I heard you on a, I think it was maybe a, a podcast talking about like how you felt like a product because they would pay you money to go to clubs, right? And then they'd put you behind these like red ropes and like, like kind of like a zoo animal. Well, we are products. We, I, I, mean, I mean, it's true. Are. I mean, and, and people are becoming more and more comfortable with that, which is a little scary. That's what I think. I yeah. think that's especially now we have social media yeah, and yeah. everything is about like selling yourself. We, we all are becoming very, we're all commodities and like our, our worth is now based on our followers or mm-hmm. what we seem to be, where our status seems to be in a very, I think in a very fictitious way. It's very disingenuous. Well, it's a commercial way in which the the goal is ultimately making money. Right. Or also the other commodity, which is attention. Yeah. Which is a very real... People... um, I think many people would rather the attention than the money. I think you are right. I think you're absolutely... Because you get that dopamine hit. I know. Yeah, and and that's real. It's drugs. It is drugs. People are addicted to those things. Absolutely. Did you get into drugs and alcohol when you were doing that whole thing? Or you kind of were... I mean, I've always been recreationally predisposed to escape. Yeah. For sure. Uh, But not to the point where... You saw me on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't like, it wasn't overdue. It didn't kind of take over your life at all. No, no, no. I was, it, I think it was more like my relationship to sex and women that was the most um, maybe destructive. And also, by the way, in LA, because you don't live here anymore, it's like you, 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 ha- you were like at like the press, like everybody wanted to be that person. And like people here at 40, 50, they're still doing that. Like, that life is still exactly how it really is in real life here. I see it all the time. Okay, so you've seen um, 2001 A Space Odyssey? Yeah. Right? Okay, so you know the scene where he goes into time yeah, travel yeah. and then ends up in the future and then he sees himself laying in bed and then he has this psychedelic experience yeah. where he's like looking at himself and he's seen, you know, across the span of time and space. I've done that. Like, I've seen people and I'm like, oh my God, that's me in 20 years? <laughs> Fuck that. Like, no. So true. I mean, I've seen the guy who's like, you know, gray hair and he's like, you know, flying around in a private plane. He's got the, you know, all the models around him. And I was just like, I, you know, if I don't do something, that's going to be me. 100%. And I was like, thank you, you know, God for sending this, you know, vision to me, you know, to slap some sense into yeah. me. Yeah. Which kind of like says to me, it says a lot about you, I think, right? Is because you know, you have the foresight and you also have like depth, right? Because I see people who have just a little bit of money here and maybe like, maybe no fame, but just money on itself. And then like, that's what their life is. They date girls who are 25 years younger, like they're, who are like barely legal. And they're like doing that, the private planes, the, the house, the this, that. And like, they're such a vapid way of living, but you don't know what you don't know, right? And no, we were trained in we're, that. Exactly. You know, we were culturally... Uh, I mean, it's confusing, right? I mean, we're going to get deep on this, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you know, since liberal culture has been all about, you know, freedom, freedom of sex, freedom of body, freedom of, uh, you know, drugs and and all of the things that I grew up with that were, that's, that's what you want. And it's also tied into making money and commercialism. You're just like... Wait, I get all the escape, all the fun, totally. all the um, indulgences, and I get paid for it. Who's not going to do that? So exactly. really, right now, I think 
what we're seeing culturally is a wrestling with what we want, like what our what our um, what our ideals are, you know, what, yeah. what are you know, what are our values as a society? Yeah, we take a lot of things for granted. You know, we take a lot. I mean, what's what's remarkable though is you kind of seem to like rise above it, and even though you had you were immersed in it and got and made a choice <laughs> not to do it, that to me is amazing. I appreciate that. You're being very kind. That was but the truth. For me, it's not about rising above. It's about deep, diving deep in. Oh, right. Okay. Going down, going into it, all the things. Like, you know, fundamentally, what, what modern culture, what consumerist capitalist culture offers is an escape from the things that are real. Because a lot of times the things that are real are just like too painful to right. to bear witness to and, and to face. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think right now vastly, you know, we're craving as a culture something a little bit more um, uh, real and, and, and tangible. We've, we've been flying too high. We've been escaping too much and on our phones and on social media and in even like business and money and all of the things are taking us away from ourselves. And so I think we need to, a, a mass deepening into ourselves and into the earth. Right. You know, back to the earth, grounded. Is that so? How, is that so? How did you start this process of kind of getting yourself like when did you move away from Los Angeles? Like, so I never lived here technically. Oh, I thought you lived I was here. always in New York, you know? Oh. But that came with its own ego. Like, I'm yeah. New York, man. I don't leave New York. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I thought you lived here. I was I was here a lot. Okay, you know? maybe, that, all right. maybe that's what it was. Okay. Um, yeah, but I kept my New York driver's license and my New York address up until recently, which is crazy because I, I still got my New York phone number, but... Um, for the first time, I changed my driver's license. Now I have a Texas driver's license, which is strange. Oh, my. Very strange. So mm -hmm. when did that whole thing happen? Like you, cause didn't you, I saw that you like lived, I saw on your show, the, the Earth Speed, that the Earth Speed, Earth yeah. Speed. Yeah. you talked about how you lived in a camp, like legitimate, like a, a small camper mm -hmm. for a year. Yeah. When did you decide to kind what, what was the, again, I'm huh. like missing a big, maybe a big time frame here, but so all that entourage stuff, living the life, doing all that, what was the next, yeah. you know, tranche I mean, in your life? It was a, f it was a coming back down to earth, but with a thud, you know, it's like Icarus flying yeah. so you can touch the sun. And, you know, I literally thought I was invincible. I could do anything and I was going to be able to taste all the fruit and survive. And it wasn't until, um, I had a heartbreak, like a very serious uh, heartbreak that I uh, w was shaken to um, shaken to awareness. What happened? Well, my, my, the girl I was dating decided that I was a piece of shit and <laughs> that she had to dump me. <laughs> okay, so like, like every other heartbreak. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's like pretty okay, basic. Pretty and, basic. Okay. And guess what? She was right. <laughs> what, how long were you guys dating for? We were dating for about four years. Oh, uh, okay. And, and I'm already now in my 40s and... Are you 45 now? I'm 45 now, yeah. yeah. And and then I see this guy, that, that guy on the airplane, the old guy, and yeah. I'm like, 
I just lost my girlfriend. How did I do that? Like, I thought we were going to now get into a relationship and have kids. And, and I had to take a really serious look at what, I, how I had gotten myself there. And that was first taking absolute 100% responsibility for my life. Right. You what know, year are we talking now that this I happened? Mean, this has got to be four or five years ago. Okay, four or five years ago. Yeah. Okay, so you have four, you're four about 40 years, four at this point. Ago. Okay, 40, yeah. okay. And you yeah. were living in New York at this time. Oh, uh, yes. I was in the same routine. Okay. You know, the, yeah. I mean, and, and her dumping me was the, the pattern disruption that I needed to realize that I had been asleep at the wheel for however long, you know, right, 20 right. years. And um, I started to really take a hard look at, you know, who I, who I was, who I thought I was, who and where I was, in which direction I was headed. And I had to really, first and foremost, the first layer of change for me was being able to take absolute 100% responsibility yeah. for absolutely everything. And, and saying that um, I can't change other people, you know, the only thing I can, the only person I can change is me. Right. So instead of blaming her, she just didn't get me or she's, she's crazy. You yeah. know, like all the, th <laughs> right, all the, right. the excuses you use to not look at yourself, right. I had to do away oh, with. Sorry. And then really start to whew, take the scary look at, at, right. at the man in the mirror. And at that point I was like, okay, everything that's happened to me up until now is my fault. And what have I been doing? What are the, the bad habits and the patterns and the indulgences and, um, what, like so, I had to basically clean the clean house, purge, and go small and start from scratch. I mean, it was like Mary Kondo. Con Mary, yeah, yeah, Mary Kondo. That's the one who does the minimalism. Minimalistic. Uh, yeah. Maria Kondo. Maria. Maria Kondo. Marie, Marie, Marie Kondo. Yeah, Marie, Marie Kondo. We're both close, close enough. Yeah, because when there's all this clutter in your soul and your heart, you're. You don't know what's what, you know, you, you can be easily seduced back into, uh, you know, a, a lifestyle and a pattern that, um, isn't serving you because it's familiar yeah. or there, or you, you know, I used to actually plan hits of dopamine. Like I, I saw my, the way I constructed my lifestyle and I would have hits of dopamine scattered throughout the day so that I would, I would always get a little hit of fun or a little excitement or and my my days were planned out that way. Like what? Give me what, what day would be like. Well, it's like I had so many opportunities thrown at my feet. Yeah. Too. It's like, hey, do you want to go to this this party? Do you want to go, you know, do you want to fly for this job and get paid to do it? Do you want to go to this amazing retreat event? Do you want to go to a you know, a gifting suite? You know, whatever, yeah, whatever. it was. It was just constant, oh wow, like this fun and excitement and newness and um, so I had to just, and, and even, you know, uh, the mini mogul making, you know, yeah. uh, buying the house and then like parlaying that into another. And then I was going to like own my whole block. I was like, that was like what I was striving for. At least that you were like, at least very entrepreneurial and smart. I uh, mean, it was like you were pissing away your money and something else. I mean, that was, that's pretty good. No, and here's the irony, like ultimately a nice guy, you know, you yeah, know, I, I love my mother, you know, and I gave donations. I did environmental yeah. work. So there's that layer of excuse for all the other stuff. Cause you're like, Oh, but I'm, you know, I yeah. give to charity. Exactly. <laughs> and I love my mom. Right. Yeah. 
And like, you know, it's authentic, but also it was, it was just a cover for the, the deeper work in which I love myself, in which I then can give of myself, sacrifice myself, not for what I want, but for the world, for others, for my unborn children one day, for future generations, you know, not just lip service or a check you write, right. but like literally like every decision I make, my whole entire lifestyle is now built to serve versus just playing that role. Wow. So this ca the breakup was the catalyst for all of this yeah. major change. And where is this person now? Are you back together? Or what, where is she now? Do you guys speak? Well, I spent two years trying to become the man that she wouldn't oh, have left. Right. And um, once I was ready, I re- I reapproached her and it took me about a year to convince her that it wasn't just, you know, yeah. rhetoric, but I actually meant it and that I could live it and that I could um, hold, hold that line over time and not be shaken off my, my resolve. Um, and she, she took you back? Yeah, we're back together. Oh, so, so the person you're with now is She's, that same yeah, person? Partner. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so we were together for four, broke up for two, and then got back together. And now we're a year and a half, almost two years back together. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing, actually. I, didn't th I wasn't expecting that outcome. She's incredible. Yeah, and I'm lucky because, uh, you know, I, yeah. You know they say the one that got away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got her back. You got her back. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It would have got away, but then you got her back. Yeah. So then did when you left to... Okay, so when did you live on your on in this camper for a year? Was it before or did so just just before COVID, um, and then it parlayed into COVID, and which was great because I mean you know say what you will about COVID, it was an incredible opportunity for all of us. Yeah, it was. I to, think to um, come home and be with ourselves and learn to be alone and learn to face the uncomfortable reality of our own mortality yeah. and, um, and reinvent ourselves, right? So you, much reinvention. There's been so much reinvention. Yeah. I feel with, with like everybody, because people realize that life is short and they want to live more authentically or they don't want to work for these corporate giants. Or they don't want to do this. So there's been so much like change, I feel, Yeah, you know? And so that's also been you. So before all of that, then you, so this whole transformation, I keep on saying that word. I don't mean to, <laughs> no, but, I mean, you know, yeah. um, it's been just, it's pretty recent then. Yeah. It's been, uh, three years. Yeah. I mean, but the work is ongoing, you know, and, um, it took two years for me to get to a place where I was like, okay, I'm, f I'm okay to step out in the world again. Yeah. And I feel confident and comfortable in my skin enough, even because when you're, when you when you take away all of the the identity that gave you confidence yeah. and made right. you feel comfortable in the world and now you're like who am i you're just like like walking around like a baby deer yeah like barely just out of the womb and you can't stand and you have placenta all over your face <laughs> um yeah i very much learning to walk again and um yeah and so i i've just for the past year and a half, and I'm again. It's it's a it's a it's a process because I'm still learning myself. My new 
my new direction. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsor. So if you guys are anything like me, shopping in real life is almost impossible. It is so time consuming and I can never find that extra few hours. So I always online shop. But even that can get really, really difficult when you're trying to find the best prices and find the best sizes. Right now, I'm trying to find a pair of jeans and a birthday gift both at the same time. It could be very irritating. However, I want to tell you guys about this amazing new app called Karma. It's a Chrome extension and app that you can use to save on products from thousands of stores like Net-A-Porter, which I'm obsessed with. You can organize them into lists and get real-time updates like price drops, back-in-stock notifications. It's really incredible. And when you're ready to actually buy the product, it it automatically scans the web for coupons and applies the best one at checkout while giving you cash back rewards. I mean, how amazing is that? It really is super easy and it's free. So you should download Karma for free today through my link for a chance to even win $1,000. Go to shop.karmanow.com slash habit. That's shop.karmanow, K-A-R-M-A-N-O-W.com slash habit. And you'll find the link in today's show notes. Happy shopping. What made you then live on a farm? Mm-hmm. And, and like, so you basically went from living in New York and all that stuff. And then now you, you, you got the, you got your, your lady back and then you both yeah. end up living, buying a farm, becoming a, a permaculture, is that what it's called? A permaculturist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you like, you are a farmer basically. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, if you look, if you track my, the allegory of Adrian, um, you know, when I was very young, my mom plucked me from all my family, my cousins, and what I, the world that I knew at a very young age, nature in New Mexico, living in the desert, and brought me to the city, New York City, yeah. where I had to basically set like a, a sever of uh, that connection to family and, and nature. Right. And then I had to learn to survive New York. And so this is really just a coming home and coming back to self where I realized in order to survive New York, I had to put on all of these facades and, and like get tough in certain ways and, and get calloused in other ways and as a protection, as a survival mechanism. Um, and I didn't know that. I just thought I was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't until I had this rock bottom moment that I could really look at myself and be like, oh, all of these things that I think I am, all of these patterns and habits aren't serving me. And I'm basically just playing to some master from, you know, that I don't even know. So I have to, I have to reorient my relationship to my higher self, like what I'm actually trying to accomplish. And that took a long time to reauthor the story and then to start to learn how to put that into motion, what that would look like. And really ultimately it came back to being in nature, grounded and taking absolute responsibility for my, myself and being able to take care of my family and use my life force to support 
my values, which are nature and humanity and, you know, community and all the things that are important. So how did you, so how did you start? Like what made you think, okay, now I'm going to get into this camp. Like how did that, what was the, the mindset or your thought process of why, how to get it to start? Cause sometimes the hardest part, the stop is in the start, right? So how did you come to that realization? No, I mean, it was just a long process and I did a lot of different things to get there. And I'm still, I mean, for me, it's, it's a, it's a spiritual, uh, pursuit, right? It's a spiritual pursuit. So you have to create ritual, create, um, places you can go mm -hmm. sacred space so that you can start to do this work. I mean, you, you know, in the Western culture, it's therapy once right, a week, right? Right. That's basically right. But can we can we build those rituals and that therapy into your whole entire lifestyle? Can you start surrounding yourself with people that not only want more for themselves, but also want more for you? So that now you're there's this feedback loop, this positive feedback loop amongst your peers. I used to hang out with people that that they were plain small, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or women that would accept the worst of me just so they could hang out. Mm -hmm. So that's right. Nobody was like, bro, you are not, you know, you are not, you're, you're you know, it wasn't until my girlfriend was like, you're a piece of shit. It right, wasn't exactly. until somebody called me and it landed that I was able to be like, oh, this woman actually wants more from me. And she's wanting to ele elevate um, you. As opposed to, yeah, elevate me, elevate yeah. us. And then once we're able to rise up and be the better version of ourselves, then we can start to, you know, help others to do the same. Was um, she already involved in like, was she already like someone who was um, interested in all of these different things that you got more involved with? Like, what was she doing? What was her background? Was she an actress? Was I mean, she's an oracle. She's like an, oh. an, an, an intuitive, right? I think there was no formal, it wasn't an intellectual thing. Mm -hmm. It was a passion mm -hmm. thing. But I think all women, if I may, you may have this power. And if we listen to women more, we'd probably get, we'd probably be better as men. Right. If it's the right, I mean, to your point, what you said earlier, a lot of people just accept what's given to them, right? Because they just want to be around versus really being uh, confident or believe in themselves to want more, to expect more, to go for more. I think that's a real big issue with a lot of women. Yeah. Well, and I think women have uh, grown to accept, accept. less. Yes. Because exactly. they just, you know, they, they can't, they can't beg enough. They can't force enough. And they're, you know, they're just. It's easier. Right. I mean, and I see that pattern with my mom and my grandmother and what they went through, even my great grandmother, you know, they had to deal with and survive, you know, a lot of very shallow and destructive masculine relationships. relationships. So they're, you know, and, and you, and that gets passed down. You're like, totally. Oh honey, that's just the way it is. Men will be dogs like that kind of mentality. Totally. And so you just are conditioned to accept the worst and then men you know take that and get away with it yeah they, um, and run with it they take advantage of that um 
So until we break that pattern, and I, you know, it's like ultimately, like if you think about women as, you know, essentially the creators of life, like they yeah. bring life from nothing into the world, right? And so as men, like I, I, this is something I had to learn because, you know, I love my mommy, yeah. right? I love my mommy. What the fuck does that mean? Like in order to really truly love mother, the mother archetype, it's like, how can I serve that? And I didn't realize that because to me it was all about sucking my thumb or nursing. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? It was about comfort in mommy. It wasn't about, hey, I'm going to actually step up and condition myself and um, learn the skills so that I can actually protect my partner right. and support her in what she needs. And only women know what they need. And they will tell you so that they can create the safe place that they can actually manifest life. Yeah. What the fuck? That's it's that's magic right there. It is magic, actually. How do you say it like that? It's true, right? <laughs> so... Let's get back to this whole farming situation. So what does that happen? Like, is that your way of getting grounded and kind of like going back to your roots? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's one and the same to me. So what, you bought a piece of land? Family, we are, we are emergent from nature. Yes. We're all connected. My life force is to protect and to support, you know, the, the life coming into the world. Are you having kids? Or I, I mean, I'm. Okay. So down. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. You know, I'm just in, in time. In time. <laughs> in time. Hotel. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So creating food that is for our sustenance, um, and doing it naturally and organically without pesticides and herbicides, like our culture has been conditioned to do. Yeah. For profit motives, and as an environmentalist, I'm always like, hey, you know, no pesticides, no GMO, you know, organic. But it's all just, you know, through slogans or campaigns but i'm i have no idea what it takes to actually grow something and now that i'm actually on the land and i'm farming i can't tell you how many times i'm like oh man if i just had some herbicide right now <laughs> if, oh what i would do for some pest control right and i want to like immediately go for the easy right you know solution so i have so much more empathy and respect for farmers and those who are actually doing that work, because it's hard. It it's hard. so, so challenging. Are but you legit like on there, like doing the farming trying, every day? I'm learning. Like, like all day? I mean, you know, it's been winter, so things have been asleep, thank goodness, because it's been a, a nice respite, but it's springtime now. And uh, I, I'm like a little anxious that I'm here in LA because I need to be out there doing some stuff. But um, Do you have people helping you there or? So just you? I'm I'm taking my time to to ramp up into this. Um, I I don't claim to be a, a professional farmer. I'm a, an apprentice. Okay. Um, but again, I want to develop the skills. I want to have the capacity to be able to grow my own food, so that I can. Right. You know, and and of course, if you look at what happened with COVID and. Uh, the reality check that that was is like, oh, you take all this, f you know, centralized food distribution for granted, things are just going to show up at your door. But when that gets disrupted, what are you going to do? Yeah. How are you going to survive? Um, so, yeah, I, I need to hone those skills and become an expert, at least competent. 
Okay, that's true. Competent. Um, does your girlfriend help you with this? Does she also no. farm? Yeah, and all she's this? she's um, studying Chinese medicine and herbalism, um, and so she'll be the the the, the medicine queen uh, of, okay. of of the land. And and then is that like I saw something that you wanted to like also have community or like have other people on the land with you? Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, look, we have big. Big Planet, ideas, yeah. big ambitions, um, and it comes down to what do we really want? Like we want to be with people we love, mm -hmm. with community. We want to feel seen, you know, like acceptance and acknowledgement yeah. with those that reflect your values. And you want people to help you, right? Yeah. So that, that way you don't have to outsource everything and, you know, write checks and pay for everything. Right. You can actually, you know, I, I, I don't have an ego of, saying, I'm going to be the master farmer and I'm going to do it all myself by myself. No, it takes a village, right? right? So bringing people together so that we can all support each other in creating, co-creating this lifestyle, which is close to nature, heart-centered, communal, uh, supportive, and non-GMO and organic and... And all the other stuff. And all the other stuff. And family, and right? And then, and then caretaking, Caretaking. Right? It's like if you have babies, yeah. the only people who can afford to have babies are those that have the money. Or, you know, you're not going to be present for your kids because you're working 10 jobs. Right? 100%. Do, have you heard of a, what a kibbutz is? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's kind of like that. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Have yeah. you ever been on one or lived no, on no. one in Israel? No, but I've read about it. I mean, we, I have a, a document of all the different uh, communal living models that exist. And, and we're just diving into what's possible. And now with... Technology being what it is, where we can actually network, you know, with other like-minded yeah, communities that aren't necessarily neighbors, but they're neighbors of spirit and neighbor, yeah. neighbors of the heart. Um, there's there's so much potential of what we can do and build, not only uh, immediately where we live, but also with others around the world. Right. So we're looking at. You know, the metaverse and NFTs and, and the blockchain to start to build what communities of the future look like. I, like imagining just decentralized hubs of cohesion across the world. I mean, I, I think you look at the way our world is headed, borders, you know, we, we used to have a, a shared identity of the United States of America mm -hmm. because we lived within certain boundaries, yeah. sort of um, territorial boundaries. But that's sort of breaking apart with the internet because now totally. you can connect with everybody else and, and you barely know your neighbors, right? So how can, exactly. we, how can we utilize that so we can start coming together ideologically, spiritually, and all do what we need to do hyper-locally so that we're not reliant on these centralized systems that really don't have our best interest at heart, but really are looking to be as efficient as possible and the most profitable. Right. That actually makes a lot of sense. And that's, so that's kind of, and then there, when you did this, the thing with earth speed, then is it basically just shining a light on this and trying to find people who are like-minded or entrepreneurial or people well do tell us what is yeah. earth speed so earth speed is um, <laughs> is my you know continuing to be in communication in creativity uh film uh and using technology to share what we're doing 
essentially. So it's Earth Speed is a lifestyle in the cadence of nature. So it's a lifestyle brand. Yeah. Really. It's like, oh, hey, okay. how can how can we live a healthy um, earth earth connected lifestyle and learn the skills so that we can be sovereign and competent mm-hmm. within our own skin, within our own communities. How do we share uh, the tools and the and the methods to actually survive in, in the coming world and highlighting entrepreneurs who are building businesses that will scale those ideas out in the world. Is that why you ha- you started a venture fund though too? Yes. Right? And there's like four pillars of the venture. What's it called on? It's called the Contra. Uh, Contra Ventures, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, t- I wanted to ask you something actually about the, you were mentioning the NFTs and all that, but that's kind of part of what this whole thing is about, right? Like not relying on actual, just like everything's going to be done in a more, uh, well, in this more new Did, digital way. Dig- yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, for me, it's about um, blending technologies, both ancient mm-hmm. and new, to create um, a more connected life. You yeah. know, it's not about escaping into technology and just, you know, leaving this place. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, being, you know, with your... Your what are they called? Virtual uh, virtual, virtual goggles goggle or virtual VR, reality? Yeah, yeah, yeah VR yeah. goggles. But it's about using that technology to bring us closer to each other and be, bring us down to earth. So yes, we we want to share and open source everything, and that's one great thing about blockchain, right? And, yeah. and and Bitcoin is it's all very transparent and open source. Right, it's open source. Yeah. So everybody has eyes on it. Everybody can utilize it. There's no gatekeepers, no middlemen siphoning off pieces. Right. It's direct, you know, action with one another. Um, we can use those tools to start sharing wisdom, sharing practical applications, how-to videos. I mean, the, I can't tell you how much I've learned from YouTube. Yeah. I can't, right? Well, you know what? I had a guy on who was an expert in NFTs and all this stuff, and he was telling me that, which I thought was fascinating, people are like unaware of the community piece of the Bitcoin blockchain world there is. Like, it's a, like, you, like everything is very, and it, it doesn't really make much sense to me completely yet, but how it's so much about building these communities and like this honesty and authenticity amongst the communities. Yes. That is so interesting to me. I didn't understand that. Yeah. And it's ideologically driven. Yeah. People are, they mean it. They mean they it. They believe it. Yes. You know, and, and, and I, what I see is, yeah, people are making a lot of money just because it's, Right. It's inflated because it's exciting it's and new. Infl- yeah. But really why people are doing it is because what what people are going to be able to create is going to be unheard of, like never be never before seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have just a whole, like my friend group are now farmers. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, psychedelic crypto, you know, pirates. You know? Yeah, that's so... <laughs> different than what you're probably used to right it is so cool because we get to be as creative as we always wanted to be but now we're not just creating for you know the 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 movie screen right the television screen we're creating for something that's going to actually be tangible in real life it's it's the greatest story we could tell is our is the one of our own 
life. So does that mean, you do have any, I know that everyone's making their own NFTs. Are you, do you have an NFT or no? I mean, I've dabbled, I've done some, yeah, but, um, you know, they're just like one-offs, just experiments. Yeah. Uh, but really what I'm looking to do is bridge the gap between homesteading, living sovereignly on the land right. within community, and then being able to interface with the world at large. So I'm not, you know, I'm just learning exactly what that looks like. And there's so much innovation and who knows. One, one thing we're looking at is creating our own coin. Uh, oh. So with within our ecosystem, we can trade using our own currency. So we're actually raising the value of what we're doing on Who's the Who's we, land. by the way? Our community. Oh, your, your community. Yeah. Okay. Because you started this fund that have like who, who like how did that what made you like you have how much is the fund worth are you actually actually putting money into like these yeah. different companies right so I should we should talk a little bit about Ducontra yeah uh, I, would I don't love know what to. our timeline is but you tell me you're oh, the okay. guest okay. I mean I have no idea how long we've been going for okay just as long as you're fine well we'll just touch on Ducontra briefly just no, because wanted, that's important it is very important yeah. especially for you know my audience Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> yes, they um, would like to know about Decontra for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like entrepreneurs are all in a rite of passage with themselves, though. You know, it's like such a, a vital creative impulse mm -hmm. to invent, be inventive. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, I've started businesses, I've invested, I've started nonprofits, I've done a lot of um, different types of business work. Uh, and recently, I wanted to formalize my investments and my desire to help the world. So started an impact fund called Ducontra. And it basically took all of the deal flow that I had, all the opportunities I had as a UN environment ambassador. I meet a lot of people who want me to be a part of their projects that are trying to change mm -hmm. the world for the better. I, I meet a lot of people who are building businesses that want me to be on their cap table. Um, so I was able to br bring those together in the fund and define our sort of um, our worldview through through the fund. Right. So we're investing through four verticals. Yeah. One is human flourishing, which is the the up leveling of the individual. So supporting people and entrepreneurs, everyday humans, uh, in their betterment. So health, wellness, mental health, anything to actually support individuals to be more competent and sovereign, mm -hmm. as I was saying. Um, communitas, right? right? How do we bring people together? The, the thing that makes humans different is not that, that we're survival of the fittest and that we compete with each other. It's actually that we collaborate so well mm -hmm. that we can actually work together to achieve abstract ideas that we can communicate through language and then go build it, yeah. go make it so, manifest it. So creating tools of community, uh, collaboration, um, bringing people together. The future of finance is another vertical in which we're investing in financial tools of the future, instruments for more equity, more access, uh, Bitcoin um, platforms, uh, other kinds of tools, that will give more people access to the world's wealth so that when they are leveled up as individuals, when they decide to work together, they can use 
the tools of money to go out and actually build something. Yeah. So get, get them finance, get them flush. And then finally, consumer. What are we consuming and how? So better for you consumer goods, um, better for the planet, innovations in what we're consuming and how. So how long have you had this fund for? So we're building it now. I've been investing through Ducontra for a couple of years. We had a smaller fund, about $12 million, and we, we had a lot of success. So we decided to raise a, a bigger fund at one hundred fifty. So this was $150 million fund. Correct. Yeah. Wow. So what companies have you already been investing in or have you invested in, I should say? Any that I would know of? <clears throat> yes. Um, so right now we haven't deployed out of the second fund. Yeah. So Oh, it's so just for the first $12 million fund. Yes. Yeah. So um, Blue Land is one of uh, our, our, our portfolio companies and they do uh, cleaning products for the home, zero plastic, all natural. Um they send compressed detergent, essentially, that you reconstitute oh. in water. So they're not shipping around water. And so it cuts down on, you know, carbon emissions. Yeah. And, so, and it's it's right to your door. So it's um, direct to consumer. Awesome company. Highly recommend. Where did where do you get that? I've it's never- online. And they just, they'll send you hand soaps and... Um, Table cleaners and yeah, Blue, Land? Blue Land. Yeah, maybe you'll send me a little bit of samples of that. I'm, I'm sure they would love to. Okay, Blue Land. Okay. Yeah. Um, just eggs. Oh, I like that. Just they're incredible. That's one of yeah. yours. Well, I mean, I, yeah, we're. Well, we're no, I'm saying that's yeah. one of yours. I didn't know that. Part of the team. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so wait, at what level? I'm just writing this down because I actually like that. Uh, company. So these these have been all pretty early stage. Okay, how early stage are our, you? Our next. Fund will be later stage follow-on growth yeah. growth fund. So this is an area again. I was not. I didn't think that you were like even when you were saying earlier, like you do all this like real estate investing and like you were doing all this. So it, you were kind of already de- like this. Your brain is already kind of was already this way. Like you're very entrepreneurial, obviously, and yeah, yeah. you're just now directing it in a very specific area. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I, I see it again. It's it's a creative impulse. Like I get to tell the story of, you know, the greatest way that I can express my creativity is by telling the story yeah. of our lives through the businesses that I invest in. Yeah. So every business is a plot point, a story point, yeah. you know, about what's possible, what we can create. Because you look out in the world and you, th- you take it for granted. You think it's inevitable. It's not. It's just the businesses that have succeeded and they define our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They define who we, how we see ourselves. Bill Gates, like, okay, who's next? Who's a more grounded, more spiritually aligned, you know, entrepreneur that we can look up to, that we can idolize? Um, yeah, that's amazing. So when did these guys, like, for example, Just Eggs or Blue Lands, at what stage did they come to you? Were they already, did they already have friends and family? Were they already making a certain revenue a year? What was the? I mean, d- different, different businesses, different stages, different, um, yeah, different ways of getting into the deal. Um, yeah, so it's. I mean, I have to just go through each one, I guess. Well, give me, name me a couple other ones I, that <laughs> I would know. Um, seeds investor, like we were just talking yeah. about. You know, seeds. The probiotic. That, no, no. Oh. No, no, this is, oh. um, this is a little bit more um, behind the scenes. Uh, th- these are financial 
tools for financial advisors to help their clients oh. invest more sustainably. Oh, okay. I didn't know that one. Right. And, so, and these are all doing really, they're doing well. They're these? doing very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, so what kind of made you think, okay, I'm going to, I want to expand the fund. You're looking out more things. Is this an area that you enjoyed? You have a partner in it. Who's helping you yeah. with this? So Bob Manuzi is my, uh, my, my partner in Ducantra. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she's she's awesome. Uh, she just had a baby. Shout out to, yeah. you know, Shout her, out. her to the moms to the moms of the world, and uh, she, yeah, she's been on maternity leave, um, but I'll see her tomorrow and I'll get to meet the baby. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, she's she's awesome. Immigrant from Brazil, powerful ass female leader, and she's awesome. That's great. So she, so you guys are doing. Do you guys have a team? Other what? Just the two of you, or just? Yeah. So we do have a, a team as yeah. well. Um, Bob's really. Uh, I'd say she's the brains of the operation, and <laughs> what are you, the brawn? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more the 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 visionary. The visionary. Yeah, okay. I'm more the creative type. Okay. Yeah, which is why I'm I'm focusing a lot on EarthSpeed yeah. as our communications arm yeah. to be able to share what we're doing and communicate uh, our investments and highlight our entrepreneurs and our investors and tie it into a larger vision for what's possible uh, on a individual lifestyle level and then also a global potential. So, are you going to be now kind of steering away from like Hollywood movies or, and, and being kind of you more, part. I might actually, you know, I, as long, yeah, I actually might. No, I'm joking. I, I, as long as it's aligned with my mission. Yeah. You know, cause I did see funnily enough, I did see on Netflix clickbait oh, yeah. and I saw your face on it. And of course, cause I knew you were coming on the podcast. I had to watch like yeah. some of it. Good film. Yeah. First of all, I was not expecting that because after everything I've been reading about you, I wasn't expecting to see that. But it was actually you weren't in it very much that much, but it was good. You were like I think I liked you in Devils Were Devil Were Prada. Like thank I you, liked you in a you, lot of you. these things. <laughs> so you're still doing it then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm open to it. I just I'm a busy guy, so it's got to be the right move. So how did that happen? What? Did they call you at whoever and like, hey, we have a butt apart for you, or did yeah? You? It's not you know. Yeah. So it's still. I, happening. I have an agent. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. still like you're still kind of an actor though, right? Like I feel like I keep I think I'm forgetting a little bit that that you still have that as a part of you. You're not just one thing. You could be you could be many things. I can. Yes. Yeah. So call me if you if you have a if you have a project. <laughs> I might send me your script. Yeah. Actually, please don't. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, my dentist has a script. Do you think you can you oh, know, really? take a look at it? Yeah, I'm like, sure. Do you like living in Texas then? Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you like it? Do you like it more than you thought you would or like? Um, I, I'm surprised. So different in New York. Yeah, I mean, I'm, the fact that I have a Texas driver's license. It's crazy. And I'm living and I wake up and I have to deal with chickens and dirt all day long. Is, yeah. It, it's interesting because I never thought that I could, I thought I was going to die in Brooklyn. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And I still might, you know, who knows? Right. But <laughs> this could be a long, this could be a phase really. Uh, yeah. But I don't think so. I'm, you know, I, I just love waking up and being in nature and uh, just being able to, to breathe and get into the rhythm of the earth. Right. What is your daily habit? Like what's the day in the life of you now? Like, what do you do? 
What day, what time do you wake up with the chickens, I guess, but or the rooster? Yeah, I mean, it's it's chickens and seed starts and mending fences. And at um, what time do you wake up though? Six thirty-seven. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right now it's been you know kind of cozy in the winter. Um, not there hasn't been a lot of demand just because things are have been sleeping. Right. Are you um, traveling now a little bit more with everything opening? Yeah, and I don't know how that's going to look, but I'll, I'll just tell you. Um, Highly recommend everyone getting their permaculture certification because yeah. not only is it, it's basically a systems design principle okay. that you can apply to the earth or gardening or farming, but you can, you can also apply it to every aspect of your life. And it's just highly recommend. And, it, and it's, you know, six weeks later you have your certification and it just, it's mind blowing and, and really helpful. Uh, frame for for what for, for living. What does it teach you? Well, what I was going to mention is um, the first principle of okay. permaculture is to observe and interact. Okay. So it doesn't want you to go impose your will, you know, your ego on the land. Mm, okay. So it actually wants you to observe and get a sense of what the natural rhythms the natural flows of nature are not just in a moment, but throughout the seasons yeah, okay. over the, over time. So ideally, and not everybody has this, this luxury, but ideally you just take your time. So you get to know the earth and it speaks to you and it tells you what it wants okay. so that you're not like, well, I'm going to put a big building right there and concrete <laughs> across there and then GMOs and a bunch of corn and, you know, monocrop. Right. Cause that's, that's been our mentality. We want to dominate nature. We right. want to control it. In permaculture, we want to live in harmony with it. So first you have to get to know it. It's like it's like dating. dating. Get to know it. You don't want to like jump in the hay right away. Right. Um, Unless you're, you know, an entourage star and that happens all the time. But yeah, okay, I get your, yes, I get your point. Right. So that being said, the projects that we have undertaken thus far are very small. And as we continue to live and grow, we will start to take on more over time. Okay, what's the second and third principle of permaculture? You said the first oh, is man, there, There's and... 12 of them. We, oh. we can really get into okay. it. I mean, Maybe. obtain a yield, um, uh, embrace slow uh, and small solutions, uh, um, embrace change creatively, um, Utilize the margins and and maximize your edges. Okay. So a few, few principles and um, use sustainable or regenerative energy. And so you so every, you think everyone should, what happens if they can't do use it? You think they should still get this and 100%, just have it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it'll, it'll just change the way you see the mm. world. and Your the perspective. Way you, absolutely. Mm. Even if you're building a business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially businesses of the future. We, I mean, that's true. Actually, through DuContra, we're looking for regenerative businesses. Absolutely, businesses that are not just hyper focused on turning the dollar. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and who cares what the you know the environmental cost is? Absolutely. You know, we want businesses that are actually going to be good for the planet, yeah. good for humanity at large, and gives you know. Um, gives a return as as the byproduct. Yeah. The, the, like financial return is the is the waste product. Absolutely, that's true. 
what else do I have to ask you? I mean, is there anything I kind of forgot? No, I but I feel know. like we've, uh, what time is it? I don't know. We're going to wrap this up right now. So, um, Adrian, you've been a delight. I'm so happy that you came on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Yo, you're, you're, you're great. And I just learned so much more about you and, um, and actually very interesting things that I'd like never thought of that you were involved <laughs> with. So where do people find more information about your stuff, your earth, uh, earth speed, earth speed yeah, please, on YouTube? Please do um, check out earth speed. We're on YouTube and also Instagram. Um, just building up right now, uh, doing it permaculture style, uh, <laughs> s slow and, and, and steady. Um, yeah. And so my, my hopes are that, you know, when people go see Earth Speed, they can learn a little bit for themselves how they can be more self-sufficient yeah. and be more in connection with the Earth and live uh, a lifestyle in the cadence of nature. Um, so as we grow, we're going to have guests and we're going to have speakers and we're going to have uh, correspondence uh, from from nature. And um, so check it out. And then also DuContra is our investment uh, company as well. So you can check out DuContra.Ventures or at DuContra.Ventures on Instagram. Oh, yeah, you have an Instagram account for that too. Wow. Yes, yes, wow. we do. Good for you. Well, thank you. And uh, now we're going to go do another part two. <laughs> we're going to do cooking with Cohen. So cooking. I know he's probably like, what? What are we doing? But uh, thank you. No, seriously, thanks for being on the podcast. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.